unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. Hey, what's up? going on, boys and girls? Welcome to uh, Tuesday night. It's Tuesday night. It's Raw and Unscripted at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You know it's your place where I help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Yes, maybe Raw and Unscripted Tuesday nights every single week. Here we are having Raw and Unscripted conversations designed to move your mindset, move your actions forward into the pursuit of the life that you truly want and the tr life you truly deserve. I am Christopher Roush, your No Excuses Coach, and I am excited to be here. And truth be told, just in case you're wondering if you can hear this, uh, my voice is severely severely shot. I've been talking all day and I have a very sore throat. Uh, so I'm going to do my very best to get through this broadcast and bring you guys the juicy details with me and my guest who I'm going to be bringing on here just very shortly. So whether you're watching this live or on the replay, we appreciate you very much being misfits for life of the kick-ass nation. We appreciate you coming here every single week and pledging your support for improving your life and having the candid conversations that are designed to really reveal what it is, the truth in your life that can get you exponential results once you finally face that. And that's one of the big conversations that I've been having today is just having that awareness of where it is that we're at and what it is that we need to be doing in order to change the situation if we're not happy with it, if we're not content with that, or more importantly, if we're not excited about that. That's what truly life is about. You know, there's so many moments in life, but yet we waste them hoping, wishing, and praying and playing the someday game that we're actually going to be happy one day when we have this. But the truth of the matter is, is there's an opportunity right now to be happy because when you find gratitude in those moments, you find gratitude in the moments of being able to spend time with your kids, gratitude in the moments of being able to just drive your car, gratitude in the moments of having a meal, enjoying a conversation. It's amazing how those string together and create a truly, truly kick-ass life. So we love you guys. We appreciate you being here. If you're not already a part of the Raw and Unscripted group, uh, we invite you to go over there. You can go over to the Raw and Unscripted group on Facebook. Just type in Raw and Unscripted. You'll find it's the only one. And join the community. We got a lot of amazing stuff coming up. Uh, and we got a lot of amazing guests here on the Raw and Unscripted show coming up. We're booked out through, I believe, the end of September already. I think it's might even be in the, in the beginning of October. And we have some incredible people who have asked to be on the show. Now, I don't even hardly go out and invite guests anymore. They asked to be on the show because they're like, hey, Chris, I saw your show and I want to be on there. I think that I could uh, offer something in your community. And I'm excited about my my guest tonight because we were introduced by a, a fellow person and we've had the opportunity to watch each other on social media and have a few brief conversations. And I'm just super excited because as you know, the show is called Raw and Unscripted. And I love people who really are able to articulate in such a way that they can get you to realize the truth of the situation faster than most people who sit there can pontificate and think about telling you what the truth is. Uh, and she hails all the way from get this ladies and gentlemen she's coming to us from australia where it's 17 hours ahead of us so without any further ado she's a true rock star we got larry in the house what's up larry um, i appreciate you guys being here uh scott's in the house he says what's up chris good to see you so without any further ado please welcome to the ron and scripted show friska Wyra. friska how are you doing this evening or i should Hi. say in your situation this afternoon this afternoon it i'm good thank you very much i'm in sydney it's currently 12 5 p.m week seven of lockdown folks so yeah get ready to rumble <laughs> you're ready to rumble i know lockdown i mean mm. you know it's so crazy honestly friska i've had so many conversations with my guests here on the show and just asking them you know up until 
what a month ago we thought we were coming out of this at least here in the united yeah. states it's like okay masks were being lifted and we could go outside again i'm telling everybody hey we made it through and then of course if you start watching the news you start seeing what's going on with the delta variant and everything else mm. and now where i was telling people hey you did it you went through the 18 months of hell now you get to go back and live your life and now we're yeah. starting to see the second wave of that and you guys are on the on the forefront of that there in australia talk to us about that talk to us about how you are coping and navigating that again for what the second time in australia or the third time well i've been fortunate so i'm i'm in sydney this is our second lockdown and the first one was very very brief i think that was only about two weeks now spare a thought for the people that are in melbourne victoria they've gone through not one not two but five lockdowns so anytime i start whinging and bitching about how hard it is i think of <laughs> other people that have gone through worse for how and long were those lockdowns the longest one they had, I think it was 121 days in a row. Like yeah. can't go out to the store? Or... Uh, uh, only one person from each household could go to the grocery store. Um, but there was a curfew as well. I think you couldn't leave your house longer by 7 or 8 p.m. It was, it was very harsh, very draconian, but that's what was needed at the time. And now they're, they're on the way coming out of it. So we just need to get our immunization numbers up. You know, we need to get them up pronto. Mm, yeah. yeah. I mean, go ahead. Yeah. And, and here, I mean, it's, even though it's winter here, Sydney has really good weather. So at least we're not cooped up in the house. We can still go out for walks. Um, you can't catch up with more than one person in a group though. So it's been a lot of duo walks with different friends each day. Yeah. So how are you coping? How are you, how are you, what type of person were you before COVID and how has that changed you now that you've been through COVID uh, now two lockdown lockdowns? I'm one of those um, annoyingly upbeat people, shall we say. So I always look at um, glass half full sort of mentality and it's really um, freed up a lot of time that I saved from not communicating. And now I'm doing other things like I'm just doing little things that turn boring routines into a nourishing ritual. You know, for example, having a cup of tea, buy fancy tea, accompany it with a biscuit, serve it on a tray. Like these are the little things you have to do to make the everyday, the mundane um, be special. So yeah, um, besides the obvious um, Netflix binging, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been taking the time to do different walks, um, explore different classes online. Like you'll be amazed at the amount of free stuff that's out there, you know, learning mm -hmm. how to paint, learning how to cook different recipes, trying out a Zumba class, whatever it is. Um, so every week I'll do something different. Mm, nice. I love that. The fact mm -hmm. that you're creative and you're resourceful and you're looking at this opportunity as a way to do things differently and keep some spontaneity and some excitement in there. I can imagine that there's some people in your life who don't share that same outlook, that same uh, ultimately positive outlook. How um, how are those people doing in your life? And how how does that affect you? To be frank, those people are not in my life. Um, you know, Many years ago, I cut anything toxic out, toxic substances, toxic people, toxic thoughts, and my life is all the better for it because at the end of the day, you are influenced by other people, their energy, their emotions. So always surround yourself with people that lift you up, not pull you down. Ooh, I love that. I, I'm the same way. I wish my sister well many, many years ago. I wished her well and was all sincere. I said, I hope you have a great life, but just mm. not around me. Just not around yeah. me. How do you, yeah. I mean, let's just jump right and into that. I mean, cause that's such a, such a major, um, a major subject to have that so many people have toxic people around them all the time. And they're like, well, these people are like this. How do you have that conversation with somebody to so, say, Hey, I'm on my mm -hmm. way up. So what I, um, 
want to share with the viewers today is that, look, blood isn't always thicker than water. So really cherish and value your friends, your colleagues, your peers, whoever it may be. I think we spend a lot of um, unnecessary energy putting up with shit just because we're related to them. But yep. you don't have to do that. Like I cut ties with some family members yeah, decades ago and don't let anybody tell you what is the right or the wrong thing to do. But just pay attention to how um, it's impacting your mental and emotional well-being and make a judgment call from there. The fact that you're related shouldn't bear, bear any um, influence over your decision. And even, even though you decide to cut someone off, it doesn't have to be forever. Once perhaps they change or your response to them will change, then you can revisit it. But for now, like you need to prioritize you, not anybody else. Hmm. So give mm. us an example of somebody you had to do that with in your life. And how did they, how did they respond to that? Did they come back defensive and retaliatory or did they understand where it was you were coming from? Oh my God, you're going to laugh your ass off at this story, Chris, I must say. Nice. So um, I grew up in Australia, so I'm, I'm quite Westernized um, compared to the rest of my family. And um, my grandmother from my father's side in particular is very, very conservative, very old school, very traditional. And right when I was in, in the teens, I was never attracted to other Asian men. Now, I'm the only one to have done that. All my cousins, they've not only have they all married other Asians, they married other Indonesians specifically, not, not even going, you know, to, to, to the next door country for crying out loud. Right. Where I was like, no, I love me the white boys. Like, anyway. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> anyway, she obviously uh, disapproved with my choices. And I would go back to Indonesia every year for school holidays and just have vacations and whatnot. And as soon as I turned 18, uh, she tried to marry me off. He was no. 39. Yeah, a big shot banker. And I was like, oh, my God, he made my skin crawl. And I was like, Ugh. And I, I was like um, a bird in a gilded cage. I was not allowed out of the house. And she would, well, she would get the maids to screen the phone calls so my friends couldn't chat to me and pick me up and, you know, pick me up to go out. And she goes, the only time you're allowed out of the house is if you go out to dinner with this particular gentleman. And anyway, long I was 18. And I was like, are you kidding me? I just want to party. <laughs> I don't want to settle down. What the hell? Seriously. And, uh, yeah, seriously. And then it got so, um, I want to say aggressive. She openly started talking about weddings in front of me, you know, met his um, dad and da-da-da. And I started getting heart palpitations, you know. I had dreams of, you know, going to uni, doing this, doing that, where she thought like, oh, look, this is it. Your, your life is set. You just marry this guy, move back to Indonesia. You'll never have to lift a finger ever in your entire life. So after about six weeks, I begged, begged, begged my granddad to buy me a ticket back home to Australia because... I was miserable. I was I was like a prisoner, and he relented, and so um, I left. And at the time, I was too immature to think about the um, traditional ethnic sort of nuances of that culture. And she lost face. She lost a lot of face, right? She told all her friends that her granddaughter was going to have the society wedding of the year. Oh wow! Anyway, she proceeded to not talk to me for nearly ten freaking years. She would blank me. 
10 years and I used to be her favorite granddaughter. And now do you talk to her? And I mean, did you, did you reconcile the relationship? No, I've given up. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done um, apologizing for the choices that I make in my life. You know, if she wants to be miserable until the day she dies and she can do that. <laughs> I love your, I love your candor. I do. I do. Cause it's so true. It's like if somebody, I mean, when people get to that point, when they get, when they're able to cut off the stuff that's not working for them anymore, whether it's a person or it's a belief or an ideology, whatever mm. it might be, it's amazing how much freer you can be. And it's not out of malice. I mean, I'm, no. I'm sure you wish and, and I, all I tried, I tried for years. I tried for years and it was no, nothing was ever good enough. And it was always all I got back were backhanded compliments and snide remarks. Like, like, for example, you know, she would come to Australia to visit me. And then, um, you know, I, I'd visit her, obviously, and she'd be like, oh, that's a nice watch. Where'd you get it from? I'd be like, oh, you know, whatever, like Armani, whatever. And she goes, oh, how much was that? I, said, I don't know, like a grand. And she's like, well, if you married that guy, I told you to, he would have gotten you a 10 grand watch. Like always <laughs> constant, constant. Like I've got years of that. And after a while, I was like, why am I doing this? Like, seriously, you know? Like if she can't accept me for who I am and the choices I make, then nah, not doing it. Mm. So talk yeah. to us about so talk to us about young Frisco. What what type of what type of kid were you? Were you as as spunky and as as confident as you are now, or did you have to go through some sort of evolution to be able to become the the strong individual that you are? I was so awkward. It's not funny. So I'm an only child. Um, grew up without parents and pretty much had to raise myself. So very very introverted. I mean, my BFFs were books and Barbie. And so I was very, very studious, like always um, studying something. I breezed through school without really trying. Um, and it's only later in life I, I realized that people skills, connection skills, engagement skills, communication skills, they're a skill like any other. And with enough effort and attention, you can learn them and you can master them. Mm. Oh, learn and master them. I appreciate that. Um, so when you were going through school and you were making your friends in school, um, did they have any influence on you? I mean, coming from different families and, 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 and shaping your perspective about where you were at? Um, I think definitely my friends had more influence on me than, than my own family for sure. And I think that's why I'm quite, um, I don't, I don't want to say unconventional, but quite open-minded, let's put it that way. I mixed with people of all different ethnicities, all different cultures, um, not not so my the, the people that I'm related to. Yeah. Mm. And mm. I find that that's such a terrible waste. You know, I find one of the biggest things that I love about myself is that I look at all different classes of people, sizes of people, labels of people. I just look at it as a cornucopia of opportunity for me to seek to understand. And the world is such a, like a rich a plethora of, of people and opportunities to see different perspectives and see different cultures and see different ways of thinking. You know, it's, I mean, I have friends all over the world and I'm so grateful the fact that I don't have that, that myopic little view of oh, yeah. this is the way the world is and this is the way everybody else is. And, you know, if it doesn't blend in, if it doesn't, if it doesn't fit into my plan, then it's uncomfortable mm. or it's awkward or it's wrong. Talk to us about that. Have you ever had that, that, that feeling in your life that just because something was different, it was wrong? all the time or or that feeling that just because it's not the norm or the standard that something's wrong with you but you know what everybody um lives to their own timeline and to their own expectations so i'll give you a, an example i used to compare myself to my cousins and they've all 
they're all very successful, but they've all, all followed a very traditional path. Like the men, in, for example, you know, top of the class, uh, soccer star, go to uni, study engineering, date a girl, marry your first girlfriend, pop out 3.5 kids, you know, white picket fence, da 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 da. And I didn't do that. I just went up, down, around, sometimes backtrack, then forward, then up and down. And it wasn't bad. It was just, it's just different. And different isn't bad. You just have to appreciate that there are multiple ways to get to where you want to go and to not judge yourself for it. Yeah. Mm. Mm. How did you deal with during, during that up, down, backwards, that, that, that unconventional path that you took? Um, what happened when you came across obstacles or, or things that you didn't understand or you weren't, you weren't um, savvy with? So um, when I came across obstacles, I think, you know, we talked earlier about the importance of surrounding yourself with the right people. And for me, and this is what I do for a living, by the way, I help very large organizations and the individuals within them, obviously, accept and thrive through change, whatever that change could be. It could be a digital transformation, could be an operating model, um, it could be a restructure, it could be a culture change. And so when I approach um, that, there's there's four elements that I would say that underpin it, and that is support, uh, skills, systems, and structures. Uh, support, like its name suggests, get that top-down support. If you know you, you cannot do it, find out who can and get them to support you, whether it's through mentoring, whether it's through coaching, you know, whatever that support looks like. This is why Weight Watchers groups are so goddamn popular, right? You've got that support network. Like you're, not on, you're not on your own in your weight loss journey. Same with your personal development journey. You know, find out who can support you. Number two is the skills. I grew up by myself. I did not know how to cook. I used to exist on a diet of fast food, believe it or not, and now I'm the complete opposite, right? And so what are the skills you need? For me, I had to learn how to cook. I had to learn um, how to get a good night's sleep. I had to learn what vitamins and minerals that I needed and where to get that in the food. So, you know, upskill yourself, whatever that could be. Um, the third is about structures. So how do you structurally integrate whatever change that you're trying to make into your life so it's easier, so it's business as usual? So um, there are some... Um, I can't remember who it was, but I was reading a story about an elite athlete and, you know, they obviously have very punishing regimens at usually 4 a.m. wake up calls to go to the gym or whatever. And for them, structure meant um, sleeping in their workout gear the night before, having their shoes ready to go. So what are the processes you can put in place to make that change more seamless, more easy so you don't have to think about it, right? Same with... Um, people that are trying to quit smoking. The structure there would be um, but perhaps buying an e-cigarette, getting the Nicorette gums instead of that, going for a walk instead, calling a friend. So some sort of mechanism to disrupt your traditional behavioral pattern. And lastly is the systems. So when I say systems, it means systemize whatever the changes that you're trying to do. It could mean um, identifying what are the indicators that show you that you're on the right path, right? Because people are motivated by seeing progress. So make it easy to visualize your wins. So an example um, of this is when I had a quite a nasty accident, I fell down the stairs and I've ruptured two out of the three ligaments in my left ankle. And I'd seen so many physios, but I get bored, right? And so I never did the exercises that they told me to until I first 
until I moved to Melbourne and I, I came across this this uh, new physio. His name was Matt, and I th and I actually listened to him. I actually did um, the exercises that he told me to. I'm like, freaking hell! Why has he gotten through to me and no one else could? Like, what did he do different? Mm -hmm. So, what did he? so first of all, he used he always used we, we can, what do you think of this? So he involved me in the process. So, so this links to actually the support as well. And um, number two is that instead of like barking orders at me, like here's the exercises you need to do, he sympathized with the business of real life. He'll say, here's five, but these are the top two. So if you, if you do have time for the other three, do the other three. And what he did before is, he would measure my progress. For example, how flexible I was in bending my toes back. He would measure every single time I saw him. No one else did that. That's why I thought it's not making a difference. Why am I, you know, hopping around on one leg trying to make my ankle better? I don't, I don't, I don't see a difference. Whereas, <laughs> right? Whereas when I got to him, like even though it was like three millimeters, it was still three millimeters, right? And this right. is when you when you think about some of the most effective apps on the market. Um, have you heard of Couch to Five K? No. Couch okay, so 5K. Have you heard of Duolingo? Yes. Okay. So Duolingo is obviously you learn a foreign language. Couch to 5K, as its name suggests, it's for couch potatoes to finally run their first five kilometers. Why are these apps so effective? It's because they shower you with positive quotes. They visualize your progress. They remind you to do the certain action. So they systemize the behavior change. So think about how you can do this in your life if you're not happy where you are today. So mm. those, are the, those are the four, support, skills, structures, and systems. And you need all of them and you need to integrate them. Mm -hmm. We're going to be talking about those. Hang on one sec. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? We got Scott in the house. Scott says, Hey, Larry, what's going on? We got Larry in the house saying, Hey, Scott. We got everybody just saying, Hey, what's up? We got Sherry <laughs> in the house. She says, Hey, what's Chris. Up? What's up? What's <laughs> up? We are appreciative of you guys being here. Nellie's in the house. She says, Hello, hello, all. Thank you guys for spending your Tuesday night here. And as always, whether it's live or on the replay, you guys are welcome to ask questions of me and my of me and my guests. Engage with us in the conversation that we're having here, talking about change, disrupting behavior patterns. Um, so why do so Frisco, you know, given your 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 career and what you do with organizations and change, I can imagine that you come across a lot of people who struggle with change. So aside mm. from from the systems and everything else that we talked about, what are some reasons why people are so uh, obstinate about change? What is it about change that we can help illuminate perhaps the viewers to be a little bit more open minded to change and maybe even a little bit more excited about it? Yeah. Um, in an organization, they fear some sort of loss. And that loss is the four Ps. They either fear losing their power, position, protection, or their prestige. So mm. find out which ones they're, they're scared of losing. Um, number two would be they've probably had a really bad experience with change. And if you've had a, a bad experience with something, why the heck would you sign yourself up to another one? So, and, and this plays out in your personal life as well. So I'll, I'll give you an example, which really hammers home um, the situation. So um, before lockdown, obviously, I was walking around town. I was with my bestie. Uh, we were trying to decide somewhere to go for lunch, right? And out of the corner of my eye, I see um, Jimmy's Falafels. And Jimmy's Falafels had gotten really good um, reviews in broadsheet, which is kind of like... Um, the hospitality industry sort of trade, right? And a very well-known chef started it. I thought, oh, look, falafels, let's go there. I've heard a lot about it. And she didn't even enter, she just said no. 
I said, no, why not? It's gotten really good reviews. And she said to me, uh, no, um, my ex-husband took me to a falafel place eight years ago. I'm not doing it again. It's like, are you freaking oh. serious? That was eight years ago. And so one bad experience, and because she had a negative um, memory associated with it, it turned her into a lean, mean falafel avoiding machine. I was like, dude, you're missing out. Like, you are so missing out. You know, but but as humans, that's our knee-jerk reaction to something. No, did it once, didn't work, or didn't like it, not ever doing it again. So were you and, able and, to were you able to influence her to to open her her mind and go back and try it again? Now I have at that moment. Um, I didn't because I was like, you know what, whatever. I'm hungry. I don't want to <laughs> argue about this right now. <laughs> but but you can see that in the way kids are, are brought up as well, right? For example, they may have had broccoli cooked the wrong way. They will never ever try it again like ever, it'll take years to overcome that. So as adults, the same happens in the workplace. Yeah, it does. It does. And actually it happens with tuna fish too. <laughs> I was given, I was given a tuna fish sandwich that had mayonnaise in it on white on wheat bread when I was, I don't know, six years old. And I told the lady, I remember this. I told her her name was mm -hmm. Vicki Levine. I said, I said, I don't like that. I said, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna eat that. And she made me eat it. And I wound up throwing up all over her kitchen table. And I've never <laughs> had a tuna fish sandwich ever, ever, ever again. And yeah, I was six yeah. years old and I'm 52. So sometimes yeah. that stuff, and sometimes that stuff scars us, right? You know? Correct. Correct. And, and the first step to overcoming it is being aware of that and, and having the awareness that that was then. And this is now, and now is different because of A, B, C, or D, you know? Mm -hmm. mm. Well, one of the big things I think about change and it's going on all around us, obviously right now with COVID and everything else here in the United States, all around the world, change, we used to we used to say in a cliche way, you know, change, the only thing that's constant is, is change. But now even for me, what I've noticed in my 52 years on this planet is it seems like so much is changing so rapidly that there's no sense of normalcy. There's no sense of stability. What do you, mm. what advice do you have for people? And I've already worked on my mind about that. Mm -hmm. So I reframe my mind, but what would you say to people who, who have that perspective? They're just like, okay, so much is changing. I feel like nothing is the same. And I feel like I'm just so vulnerable and exposed because I've had somebody mm. say that to me recently. Like, I don't, everything is so much is changing that, that nothing seems the same anymore. And I feel lost. Is this in just a general life sense or a workplace sense, do you think? Both, was, both. It just 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 everything's so rapidly changing. Workplaces are changing, leadership's changing, baby boomers are retiring, there's a new generation, you know, digital change, you know, just there's so much going on. There's so much, I think there's just so much overwhelm in people's brains that yeah. they're not able to 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 be able to process that. And it's causing that anxiety. And when that anxiety is causing that reaction, and people are just kind of starting to go a little bit nuts. Talk to us about how we can view change in a different mindset so where it's not freaky and scary. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, I think we really need to stop whinging over um, change resistance and start focusing on building change resilience because you've just said technology is only going to get faster, things are moving, blah, 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 blah. But guess what? Not all of them impact you and not all of them concern you as well. So pay attention to the information sources that you're consuming because sometimes it'll just frazzle you out. Um, so really um, crystallizing what is it that's important to you and what has a direct impact on you and just focus on those. Like there may be a hundred things, but really the ones relevant to you could be 10 things. And, and that is a lot less overwhelming. And also, yes, changes may be happening uh, left, right and center, but they're, they're not all happening at the same time. And they're also 
some of them are really slow, like the shift to um, green energy, for example. You know, governments all around the world are investing in repurposing old, old oil fields. They're uh, dedicating time and attention and kicking off projects to in regards to the circular economy, but these changes take years to develop and they only impact a small portion of the community at this point in time. So yeah, it's it's just a matter of don't freak out, take it one step at a time, take a deep breath and be ruthless with really identifying what's relevant and what will impact you because not all of them will. Right. You know, and I think that's great advice. And it kind of leads to something that I tell people all the time. It's like, so often we react and we take things personally. So I tell people like, what am I making this to mean about me? You know, mm. something's coming in. We had, we had, we had, we were our, the company that I was at when I was in corporate was bought multiple times by private equity groups. And we constantly, all of us would sit around and go, what does this mean about me? What's, what do you think is going to happen? We sit there and we, we pontificate and, you know, blah, blah. And well, maybe this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And three out of the five times, nothing happened nothing happened. Yeah. We were sitting there, we were sitting yeah. there, we were sitting there, uh, projecting into something that was happening and making it mean something about us when it really didn't mean anything about us. What is your advice yeah. for people who tend to take things more personal and tend to react to stimulus rather than seeking first to understand than to be understood? Um, really get the right information, like educate yourself. So that, that plays out in my, in my role as a consultant, often the first thing in people's heads is, is my job safe? It's like, dude, yes, I'm not trying to automate you out of a job. I'm just trying to help you, you know, do more value adding tasks. So really, if you don't have the right information, there's no point um, shadow boxing with ghosts, like really get it straight from the source, whoever that source may be on what the, what the change is and what it means for you. You will spend a lot less time and energy um, worrying about things that, that, that are never going to happen. Mm -hmm. That's if you yeah. have good leadership, because in some of the situations that I've seen when I was doing some consulting in business is I found yeah. out the leadership, the leadership would not communicate effectively to the staff. So there would be those open-ended questions and then things would be happening. You'd see a bunch of suits walking around and they wouldn't explain, Hey, these guys are here from the leasing company. They're just doing a building check. You see a bunch of suits walking around and you'd be like, okay, what's that? Oh, you don't need to ask questions. You it's none of your business. And you start creating that speculation. What advice do you have for leaders, especially in this, this new day and age with everything that's going on? What advice do you have for leaders to have, um, to instill that trust in their, in their employees to be able to know that it's not about them? Yeah. Um, so this is especially relevant in today's time where bloody every, like you said, everything's changing. Thanks COVID. <sighs> You've heard of that acronym KISS, right? Keep it simple. Yeah. So in, in today's time of turbulent change, it's not about KISS anymore. It's actually about MIFKISS, which is make it frequent, keep it simple. So I would suggest um, weekly updates at a minimum, and it doesn't have to be war and peace, right? The Gettysburg Address was three minutes long. Obama's right. acceptance speech was eight minutes long, right? The King's speech was six minutes. Like, don't, don't over-engineer it. The more real and raw you are, um, the more that people will accept it. And don't think that just because you, you've said it once, that's it, it's locked into people's memory banks. So it's a matter of repeat, 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 small bite-sized chunks and keep it simple. No no bullshit like um, MBA lingo and mumbo jumbo. Yeah, just exactly <laughs> exactly like we're talking here. Like this is what gets the cut through, right? Yeah. 
It's so true. It's so true. And yeah. I appreciate that about you because, you know, so many people want to sit there and, and give the fluffy stuff and sit there and, oh, it's like this and it's like that. And, you know, and they, they just talk over you rather than just talking directly to you. And that's one yeah. of the things that I always respect in leadership. And that's, that's funny because it doesn't seem like there's as much as the, uh, as much of that as there should be, because it seems like there's more egos and there's more, more things about, you know, accolades and, and possessions and titles and all that other stuff. What is your take on the fact that the baby boomer generation, the the leaders who have been in corporate for so many years are now retiring at, at alarming rates, drastic rates. And now we have the new leaders, you know, the Gen Xers and the millennials and the generation yeah. after that. What are your thoughts on the different leadership styles and how that's going to change for the workplace and for the employee? Is it going to get better um, or, or different or worse? Uh, dif different. It, uh, honestly, I think it depends on uh, geography and, and sector as well. I think um, we are existing in a world that is hyper, hyper focused on political correctness. And there's a whole new terminology that, um, in, that, that the baby boomers haven't gotten their head around and pr probably won't before they retire. Like, for example, you know, let's talk about gender in the new in the workplace you were usually male or female but now you're non-binary or you know gender neutral da, da, da. so that's just one example um and i think this although this is a huge generalization that the baby boomers came from a very command and control leadership style so it's like you shall do what i tell you to and then that's it there's no no opportunity to provide feedback and whatnot whereas i think we're shifting now to be more um, putting more effort into giving employees a voice. Mm -hmm. And I want to distinguish between a voice and a vote. So a lot of people say, oh, but it'll take longer. Not everybody can can tell us, you know, wade into the decision. I'm like, no, 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 they don't need to decide, but they need to have a channel, a platform of some sort to just even have a voice. So give everybody a voice, but not everyone a vote. I mean, that at the end of the day should be very tightly knit. Otherwise, it's going to be death by committee. Hmm. Death by committee. Are committees good or are committees bad? Do you think? Uh, no, it just depends on the situation. It depends on the situation, but in my experience, it just makes, yeah, it's a great way to avoid being accountable or owning anything. So a lot of, a lot of ass covering exercises happen in committees. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. That's why I thought I would ask you because I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and ask this question because I've seen the same thing as well. It's like, why does this committee really exist? And what is this here? Oh, the people on the committee have an easy way of protecting their asses if something goes down because they're all going to cover for each other. Mm. It's like it's like the, mm. it's like the good old boys club. If you guys are part of the good old boys club, then you're okay. If you're not part of the good old boys club, then everything's uh, up for grabs. And that, that's one yeah. of the things that I hate about corporate is it was about that game. It was like you know if you're not the the so and so's favorite, then chances are you're going to be on the outside. And that's something that I found, especially when I left corporate, was mm -hmm. progressively as I started owning who I was and owning my voice and my confidence and being able to say, hey, listen, guys, I don't agree with that. And being like, oh, Chris is always the open mouth one, and Chris is always the the troublemaker and of course you know and then chris was all you know pushed out of the company and that's no big deal because now i got to go follow my dream but yeah. but it's amazing because you know they sit there and they tell us you know leadership will say we want people to come up and tell us the truth and we want we want people to ask us the questions but it seems like you know the people and they get raked up, over the coals <laughs> yeah 
I mean, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you coach people in that situation where they've been burned so many times about stepping up and standing in their confidence and speaking about disrupting? How do we disrupt those belief patterns to where we can sit there and say, you know what, today's a brand new day. And this is what I tell my coaching clients. I'm like, you know, whatever was yesterday is all electrical energy and impulses in our brain. And we have the opportunity to change our perspective about it. We could change our viewpoint about that electrical stimulus in our brain to say that, Hey, it's worked for us. And it's made us a stronger individual. What are your thoughts on that? How do we how do we disrupt that pattern of believing and get people to be more confident in that in, in their approach? Yeah, um, <clears throat> the time and this is the thing, right? Negativity travels a lot faster. You know, you may have heard, you know, Joe Blow down the road who got his head blown off for really um, speaking his peace of mind, but Poor a Joe. you don't you don't know that's a <laughs> a you don't know that's a fact. B like this is different. This is your own situation. And see, okay, let's think of worst case scenario. Let, let's let's say that that indeed actually happened. It, it may really suck at the time. You may have copped a copped a bullet, but you've dodged a bomb. Like who would want to work for a company like that anyway? There's so many um, other avenues that you should be focusing your time and attention. But I'm not I'm not going to lie. If it does happen, it's going to suck for a while, right? I mean, we've <laughs> all been there where where we've been stabbed in the back where. We weren't sure when the next paycheck is going to come in. But you know what? We just keep on keeping on. A lot of people have been where you are in the past. And like anything, you will get over it. Mm, You will get over it. Okay. Yes, because time does heal all wounds. If we choose to let the time heal, otherwise we could choose to Mm. be a victim. We won't even go there. I'm curious, um, whether it's a current leader or an older leader, who are some people that you recognize and you respect as leaders? Let's get maybe one previous one, maybe an older one. Um, and one, one today, somebody who you recognize as a leader as somebody that, that, that is to be respected. Yeah. Okay. Um, an older leader, I would say, uh, Jack Welch of Mm. former legendary GE, just because, um, they, their workout program, which is, a continuous improvement program was the most successful in the company's history. And it's because he gave employees a voice. So instead of telling them how to change, he just said, look, this is what we're trying to achieve. You guys know the company best. Come up with the ways that you think will help us get here. Mm -hmm. So I respect him for that because he does come from that old school, sort of like older generation, but he flipped the paradigm on his head. Um, Big time. Yeah, and then who is kind of a newish leader? Um, I have huge respect for uh, Jacinta Ardern, the Prime Minister of New Zealand. Just the oh, way that yeah. the way she handled the um, what was it, the Christchurch assassination, um, the COVID response, everything. Like she's just so personable. Like her Facebook lives would would just it, it's like you're chatting to a friend around the campfire. You know, it was just she go, this is what we're doing. And this is where we need you to do da, 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 da. And the language that she used was so inspirational and motivational. For example, she said, you know what, even if you don't have a job right now, even if you're not employed right now, your job is to keep other Kiwis safe. And you do this by staying at home, wearing a mask, da, 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 da. Contrast that with um, who's running Australia. At, you know, he was like, da, 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 well, thou who shall was running not. the United States? <laughs> into the ground yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so no no I, I i totally agree uh, well you know you know sally is in in new zealand so mm. sally Anders, because that's where i think that's how we're connected right sally 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 I mean, so she's down there. We had, we had amazing conversations about that. She's like, I'm like, Mm. Oh my God. And I wasn't even paying attention to the news, but it was such a, uh, 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 what's the nice word for it. It was such a difference from how it was being handled here. Yeah. Let's just say that. Um, so I want to shift gears a little bit and I want to talk about, I want to talk about excuses. I'm the no excuses coach and I'm always fascinated by people's excuses and how they overcome them or what, what opportunities they can do to share with other people. What is the biggest excuse that you find that holds you back and how do you mitigate your own excuse? So like for me, Um, I'll say, I don't feel like it a lot. So I'm like, Oh, I really don't feel like it. So that's one of my biggest excuses. So I have ways of snapping myself out of that. So talk to us about that on your side. Okay. Let me have a think. She doesn't have any excuses. (laughs) While you're you're thinking about that, I'm just going to say hi to some people. Uh, What's going on? Serena's in the house. Serena Buffalino, what's up, gorgeous? Good to see you. I just saw you a little bit ago. Serena and I are on the, well, Serena's the CEO of helphealhumanity.org, an amazing organization, worldwide organization. I'm on the board of directors with her and we just had our board meeting. So she's here supporting the show and saying, what's up? Uh, Nelly says, these are great ideas. Thank you, Nelly, for being here. We appreciate you. Um, So yes, your excuse and how you overcome it or mitigate it. Uh, Yeah, my... Okay, I'll give you an example of something that I've overcome in in the past, right? So I started my own um, consulting business a year and a half ago. And at the time, um, I was chatting to a friend. I was whinging that I wasn't getting in front of the people that I wanted to get in front of and like, it's not working, I should give up and yada, yada, yada. And that's when he said, um, you're a change manager, you need to get with the change, you need to get with the program. And so I've been a writer for a vast number of years, I like writing articles. And at the time, video was only just starting to move up on the precipice. And um, this particular friend of mine, he's a very successful CEO, he started like with nothing. He just started with a dream, created a not-for-profit and he started doing LinkedIn videos. And I made up so many excuses like don't have the right equipment, don't have the lighting, you know, I'm not good on video, da 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 And so um, he challenged me. He said, look, just do it once a week and if after two months you get nothing, I'll shut up and I'll leave you alone forever. Anyway, um, six weeks later, I ended up I ended up getting the attention of the transformation director of Australia's answer to Harvard University, the number one university here, which is the University of Melbourne. And that's where it all started. So yeah, like no equipment, never done it before, scared, what if it's shit? Like those were all excuses. And how, how I overcame it, I didn't overthink it. I just did it and I yes. thought of and I thought of my four quadrants, the support system skills structures. The support, I'll admit it, I, I messaged my friend and said, please like this post because I'll be so sad if I get no traction. So that helped. Um, the skills is like skills, you just have to keep on doing that. Practice, practice, practice. Remember that every professional, every expert started from zero. You know, why can't you do it? Structures, oh, yeah. it, be- it became a rhythm, right? Every week I um, thought about what to say. I recorded it. I posted it. Like it was just, that's it. It was locked in and systems. I would track how well I was doing. So every month I'd see what's the uptake from, from last month. Where did I progress? Or, so yeah, all these things. Um, that's what I did. 
Mm, so you, mm. you really systemized. You almost took, it sounds like you almost took the human, the human. Take the emotion, emotion out of it. Take the fear yeah. out of it. Yeah. Engineer the fear out of it. Just do it. Yeah. Is that, that sounds like a, like how you've gotten through your life. Yeah. Would that be much. a fair assessment? Yeah. And I think, um, so I've read quite a few books as well, like, like Eric Barker's barking up the wrong tree, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, there's been so many situations where if you always wait until you're ready or until you're motivated, you're never going to bloody do anything. You'll be dead by the time that happens. And for me, motivation comes from action. So I don't have to be motivated to do something to do rather by doing it, I become motivated. And that's where we have to shift our paradigm. Like you'll always come up with an excuse yourself. You're not, you're not rich enough. You're not young enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not skinny enough, whatever that is. It doesn't matter. Just start today for a better tomorrow because a year from now you'll thank yourself that you started today. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, comp the compound interest. Did you read, um, the compound principle by Darren Hardy, the former publisher mm. for uh, success magazine. Did you, did you read mm. that book? Yeah. 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 When I was, when I was reading that book, I was like, this is exactly what I do. I tell people the 1% rule. It's like every yeah. single day, if you do 1% more or 1% less over 365 days, exponentially, you will change your life. Cause people mm. come to me like, Oh, Chris, it's so easy for you. You have this and you have this. And they're like, no, some days I just sit there and I just make the decision to start and to put one yeah. foot in front of the other. That's why I teach people to be unstoppable. It's like, mm. yes, you can, you can just go there and get it. I was just actually talking to one of my coaching clients again, like you were saying, Oh, everything's gotta be perfect. And it's this, that, and the other thing. It's like, no, no. Have you learned from your mistakes before? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Well then go make more of them. Whoa, yeah. that's uncomfortable. What if I, what if, who cares what people think? Mm, who cares? Mm. You know, we're spinning on a blue marble. We're on a spinning blue marble going through space. The earth has been here for billions of years and we're worried about the little nanosecond that we're here on the, on the radar, what people are going to say about us. I say, yeah. go for it. Cause I, yeah. like for me, are you familiar with Mel Robbins and her five, four, three, two, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's oh, what I was I saying. Know, no, I haven't heard of the five, four, three, two, one. What's that? Oh, okay. So this is when I don't feel like it, this was crazy. Well, actually I think Sally, I think Sally may have uh, referred to, it doesn't matter. So anyways, I got in touch with Mel Robbins, not in any relation to Tony Robbins. And somebody said, you got to watch her Ted talk. And actually I just made my wife, I just, I didn't make my wife. I asked my <laughs> wife to watch this because there's so many times that we just don't feel like, it. and she talks about there's five seconds. Like when you wake up in the morning, if I sit there and say, okay, um, I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning at five o'clock and I'm going to work out. I'm going to set the alarm for five, you know, five fifty-five or five forty, four fifty-five, five minutes ahead. And I'm going to get up at five o'clock and I'm going to work out. When that alarm goes off, we have five seconds where we sit there and say, oh, but if I just get a little bit more sleep, I'll feel better. And then we hit the, we hit the snooze alarm. And that's like mm -hmm. a euphemism for our life. We hit the snooze alarm because we think five more minutes. We think one more thing, one more mm -hmm. try. And what her thing is five, four, three, two, one, do it. So I give you like, oh, I got to go make dinner, but I got to vacuum, but I got to do five, four, three, two, one, do it. Because mm. that, in that five seconds, you're going to talk yourself out of it. Well, maybe tomorrow, or maybe this. And, that. and I've used that so many times. Like, I don't feel like going to the gym. Five, four, three, two, one, pick up my gym bag, go outside. Right. That's all I got to do okay. is just go outside or put yeah. my shoes on. Just start yeah. the process of what it is. I've even told people like, well, you know, Chris, I really don't like to work out. I'm like, all I want you to do is just put your shoes on and walk outside the door. Mm. That's all. But 99% of the time, it's like once you get into that action, you, you actually get it. So I highly mm. recommend Mel Robbins, five, four, three, two, one because she's sitting there talks about it. She goes, you're never going to feel like it. You're never going to feel like making the cold calls. You're never going to feel like this because you're afraid of the rejection. Yeah. But the fact is, is that as you put one foot in front of the other and as you get excited and you, and I, for me, for me, it's going back to a kid like state. 
You know, when I think about Chris as a five-year-old kid before he got all screwed up, um, I was excited. I was happy. I was curious. I would, I was adventurous. I was in the moment, mm. you know, if somebody said crazy, let's go do that. Okay. Why not? Let's go try it. But then through all that conditioning stuff that we go through as kids in our life, trying to be perfect and try to fit in and try to make all these other people happy, mm. we lose sight of that adventure and that mm. sense of adventure. And then we go mm. into that place of, okay, if it's certain, then I'll be okay. And I think that's something we've been talking about through this entire conversation is that life isn't certain. So what, mm. what advice do you have for people who are unable, who have their, who have their, 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 their expectations set, they have their life set, they have everything planned accordingly, but they don't have the emotional, they haven't done the emotional work. What is your mm. advice for them to be able to go do that, to be able to handle the change that is going on in the world today and to be a support person for their family and their friends? Um, I think that, you need to realize that it's not just your professional self, your physical self, your emotional self. Um, they all kind of integrate together. So it's it's like having it's like cooking cooking a dinner, right? There's there's a few stoves there. Some are boiling, some are simmering gently. You know, but what you need to realize is that if if you can't over focus on one dish, because then that'll get burnt. And it's okay to have, for example, a bigger main course or, or, or a smaller entree. And so just to realize that there's always a choice and a consequence of your actions. So you don't want to be one of these, you know, financially super wealthy people, but emotionally bankrupt because you will not be happy. So it's a matter of um, balance and integration and uh, putting effort into all these into all these different burners right you you will not be able to have all four burners firing at once for example if you're training for a marathon then obviously it's going to decrease your family time or it's going to decrease your intellectual time less time that you have to read just be wary of these trade-offs and be okay with them mm, so so important trade-offs mm, mm. what are some trade-offs you've made in your life that you look back on now and regret making? Mm. Oh, when times are tough, I was like, really, I should have really married that guy when I was 18. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, but then you'd be totally, you'd be, you'd be completely miserable. <laughs> no, 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 I was joking. Um, you know what? I don't really regret anything because you can't, because it, it's all about experiences, right? You, you know, I'm not going to die wondering. Yeah. 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 And I, I'd rather have tried and failed than just do nothing, really, because that would be a very boring um, existence. So uh, mm. it's just always, always finding the silver lining um, from any experience. Silver lining from any experience. Mm. That is so true. One final question before we, uh, you could tell people where to get a hold of you. Um, yeah. What is your legacy? What is your why? When you wake up every morning, what is your why? What is your legacy for this life that you're leading? Mm. So um, I think for me, it's lifting others up. Uh, I'm a big believer in that if there's no change, then there's no progress. So it's helping, teaching people how to fish, teaching people how to make their own changes in their life or their business or their organization. Um, so supporting them to it. Yeah. That would be my why, because it's only going to happen faster. It's more far reaching and complex than ever. So the sooner you get these skills, uh, the better off you'll be. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Well, we've already been talking 
Oh, sorry. My throat is so sore. I haven't been this sore in so long. Uh, we've been talking for 51 minutes and I am so thankful for you. Where can people get a hold of you and continue the conversation? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn. Just search for me, Friska Wiria, W-I-R-Y-A. Otherwise, my website is freshbyfriska.com. So check me out there. Right there, freshbyfriska.com. And also on Instagram, freshbyfriska. Yeah. Right? Yep, that's make sure, right. Make sure I got the right <laughs> ones. You have been an absolute wealth of information. I appreciate you. I, I'm so stoked that we finally got this taken care of and got this conversation. So we can definitely have more of them. Now I understand where you're coming from. I'd like to dive in deeper into the leadership aspect. So I'd love to have you back on the show one time. Um, but for right now, I appreciate you. I thank you so much. I'm going to put you backstage here for a second. I'm going to end out the show and then we'll, we'll, we'll have a few more words before we end out everything. But uh, thank you so much for being here on the Ron and Scripted Show. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls connect with Friska. She is a wealth of energy. She's a wealth of information. Um, she's straightforward. She doesn't bullshit. And that's what we need more of this in this life. Um, Sherry McQueen says, uh, she says, thanks for the great night. See you tomorrow morning. Well, on the replay. Yes, uh, Sherry, thank you so much. Uh, appreciate you for being here. Uh, but yeah, connect with Friska because what she's saying is, is so matter-of-factly true. It's, you know, we get the opportunity to choose our perspective. We get the opportunity to choose who we have in our life. We have the opportunity to choose what it is that we get to do every single day. But sadly, so many of you guys out there are giving that control up to somebody else. You're giving that control up to somebody else who was in your past, who fed beliefs into your brain that weren't true or didn't work in your favor, or you're surrendering control to everybody else and you're doing the blame game. You're blaming everybody else. If you're blaming everybody else for the situation you're in, guess what? The solutions and the opportunities to be resourceful to fix those situations aren't going to be as abundant as they would be if you accepted responsibility and said, hey, listen, I've got an opportunity to change here. I've got an opportunity to grow. I've got an opportunity to make, yes, some tough decisions but the tough decisions that are going to ultimately be in my best interest. So maybe right now I have to eat a little bit of shit right now and go through some tough times like Frisco was saying, but ultimately keeping your, your eye on that end goal to be able to see through the shit storm, to be able to see the beauty in what it is that you're going to achieve. And so many of us are putting off till tomorrow to achieve that beauty today. And we're not, we're not inspired to stand up for ourselves because we're so limited by our own belief system. So one of the most important things that Frisco said is talked about is getting your support system, getting your systems, getting your structures, getting people in place that can hold you accountable. I was just talking to somebody earlier today. They, they hit me up for a free coaching call and I asked them who their support system was and they don't have anybody in their life that they can go to. And we talk about it in my group coaching program as somebody, as your team, right? Who do you trust? Who empowers you? Who holds you accountable? And who's your mentor? Who's your team? Who are the people that you can go to and say, hey, I'm having a shitty day. My Maybe my confidence isn't the greatest. What do you think? And that person's going to tell you the truth. That person's going to sit there and say, hey, listen, you're having a shitty day. It's not the end of the world. You're going to be able to be fine. You're going to have, you're going to have all these different opportunities. It's important to have people that are going to tell you the truth, that are going to hold you accountable because otherwise you're just going to float through life. And trust me, I see so many different people that have floated through life and they come to me and they're like, Chris, I don't want to end with any regrets. What can I do? And that's one of the things I love doing. So if you're one of those people that's out there coasting and, and trying to figure out what it is that you're doing and you haven't taken me up on one of my complimentary coaching sessions, please do. It's my way of giving back to you guys for watching this show, for being a part of the, the Misfits for Life community. That's my way of just connecting with you guys. So again, if you're having the, one of those situations, hit me up on the DMs. I'd be glad to, to send you the link for 
for that private uh, conversation so we can have that. Meanwhile, I love you guys. I'm going to stop talking. Literally, this has been one of the most painful shows I've ever done, um, but I love you guys. So I want to keep bringing it every single week. I love you guys. I know I've said that about 12 times, but uh, all right, go out there and be the change you bitch about. I love you guys. We'll see you next week on the Raw and the Scripted Show.